Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, J.R. Church will conclude his study on the prophecy of Elijah's mantle, and then Dr. Larry Spargimino will have the latest headlines from the end times. As we get closer to the Christmas season, be sure and visit the gift section of our website, swrc.com. There you'll find gifts from Israel as well as books and DVDs that will inform and encourage your family and friends. Visit swrc.com today. That's swrc.com. Yesterday, we listened to J.R. Church begin to reveal the prophecy of Elijah's mantle. Here's Josh Davis to set up part two of this important prophecy. If you missed yesterday's program, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it because we put a bookmark right in the middle of a point that J.R. Church was making. I apologize for leaving you hanging on the cliff edge, but I had to do it because we want to continue on with the sections that come up in today's program. It's important teaching, and I felt like that was a good place for us to take a break in yesterday's program. So thank you for joining me as we pick up the rest of the story today about the Jewish prayer shawl, the tallit. It's called Elijah's Mantle. Reverend J.R. Church is going to continue to explain Elisha's death, and we're going to continue to see he was one miracle short, one miracle short of receiving the double portion. Or was he? J.R. Church explained it this way in this classic presentation. When Elisha died, he was buried. And the Bible tells us that some soldiers, some Jewish soldiers, were coming from a battle with the enemy, and they were carrying a dead comrade. They needed to dispose of the body somewhere quick, came across this grave site. They rolled back the stone and didn't realize it was the grave site of Elisha. They pitched the body of their dead comrade inside, and when his body touched the bones of Elisha, he came to life, (laughs) making exactly double the miracles of Elijah before him. You see, even in death, God keeps his word, doesn't he? And so, Elisha was gone, and the priesthood looked high and low up and down the land for someone who was worthy to wear the camel's hair talit of Elijah and his priestly leather girdle, but they found no one. No one was worthy. And so Jewish history tells us that they took the mantle of Elijah and the priestly leather girdle to the temple and placed it at the right side of the golden altar of incense in the holy place. This representing the golden altar of incense, behind me the blue veil that covers the Holy of Holies, they had a place made to put it on the right side of the golden altar of incense. And they said, it will stay here until he whose it is, returns to use it. Then went abroad the saying throughout all Judaism that Elijah will come to introduce the Messiah. Malachi chapter 4, the last verses of our Old Testament says, Behold, I will send you Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come. And so year after year, the Jew has waited for the return of Elijah. In fact, every year at Passover to this very day, the Jews place a chair and a plate, and a glass, an empty glass for Elijah. Kind of interesting that a couple of years ago, they began in Jerusalem to fill that glass with wine. 
They expect Elijah to come any time. But they expect him to come on a Passover because, you see, at Passover meal every year, the father will send one of the children to the front door to open it to see if Elijah is there. And the little child will go to the door and he will open it up and he will look around and say, Phew. And he will go back and he will say, Papa, Elijah was not there. And the dad will say, Well, maybe next year. And year after year after year, the Jews have looked for the second coming of Elijah to announce the coming of Messiah. In fact, both Moses and Elijah are going to show up one of these days. They're the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. And uh, I, won't, I don't have time to get into the theology of that, but nevertheless, this is what the Jewish people believe. The rabbis believe that. And they're looking for the coming of Elijah. And there it lay on the right side of the golden altar of incense year after year after year. But you know, the Babylonians came in 606 and again in in the 590s and finally in 587 B.C. they burned Solomon's temple to the ground. And the story breaks off there in Jewish history and nobody ever knows what happened to the mantle of Elijah. It's kind of sad that we should be left without the rest of the story, isn't it? Reverend J.R. Church is about to explain the rest of the story to us as we go into the New Testament period and we see this prayer shawl spelled out for us in the New Testament. How do we see it in the life of Jesus? How do we see it in the life of the early church? He's going to explain that in just a second. Let me first remind you, you can order a copy of this full presentation by the late Reverend J.R. Church. It's called Elijah's Mantle. You can order it by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit us online at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Again, this DVD is called Elijah's Mantle. We are so pleased that we can bring this to you and a lot of the classic J.R. Church content. We have some other classic content from Reverend J.R. Church forthcoming, and I'm excited to bring that to you in the months that are ahead of us, some that we're preparing even now. Reverend J.R. Church was perhaps best known for founding the Prophecy in the News Ministry. And we are blessed to have the Prophecy in the News magazine back in print. You can subscribe to the magazine by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. And we'll be glad to help you with that. We have classic articles from Reverend J.R. Church in every edition of the Prophecy in the News magazine. And a lot of great content to keep you updated on what's happening right now. And to encourage you, as Reverend J.R. Church often said, to keep looking up. Well, let's pick up with the rest of the story as the Reverend J.R. Church begins to unfold the New Testament teaching on the prayer shawl. But if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 1, we may find the last chapter of this story. For according to the scriptures of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias in the course of Abiah, or Abijah, the eighth course of the priesthood. And his wife was of the daughter of, uh, of Aaron, daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Verse 11, as, uh, as his custom was, it was his time to take the incense into the golden altar in the holy, of, uh, of the holy place and offer the incense upon the altar. And as he did so, Gabriel appeared to him. Verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Not the left side. 
the right side. And he said, hello, Zacharias. I've got a message for you. Your wife's going to have a little baby boy. Name him John. Verse 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Thirty years later. John the Baptist shows up the banks of the Jordan River where Elijah was last seen. And I ask you, what was he wearing? Our Bible says he was wearing a coat of camel's hair and a skin of leather about his loins. Please understand there is no Greek word for the Jewish word talit and so many times throughout the scripture of the New Testament the talit is there and we could look for it and understand it and know what it is, but we don't have any background in Judaism. And isn't it interesting that over the past couple thousand years, the rabbis have not been forthcoming with a lot of good information for us Gentiles. And so we just sort of missed the Jewishness of this. But I want you to know that even our Savior wore a talit. He wore a coat without seam throughout. So goodly that when the soldiers gambled for it, they didn't want to tear it apart. Was too good a garment for that. They had just cast lots to see whose it would be. Do you remember Mark chapter 5? Jesus came to Capernaum one day, got out of the boat, started into the city. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue at Capernaum on the northern shore of Galilee, came running up to him and said, Would you please come, my little 12-year-old daughter? Is at the point of death? Jesus said, Yes, I'll come. But squeezing through those crowded streets of Capernaum, Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? And the disciples uh, said, Well, there's a lot of people here today. No, somebody special had touched him. And he turned to find a little lady who had been sick for 12 years. And she had said, If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. The seat seat of his talit, wherein is contained the ineffable name of God. For you see, it was the custom of the Jews to put their talits over the sick when praying for them. In fact, a Jew named Paul said, be sure and put your aprons or handkerchiefs on the sick when you pray for them. That's in the book of Acts. This is what he was talking about, the Jewish talit. And so this woman was healed. Jesus then went on to the home of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, came into the room where the little girl was already dead. Jesus asked that all leave except Peter, James, and John, the father and the mother and himself. And they stood around the bedside of that little girl. And we're not told exactly what Jesus did, but if he did according to the custom of the Jews, he took his talit and laid it over the dead child and put the seat seats on the four corners around her hands. Our scripture tells us something of that occasion in Mark chapter 5 and verse 41. In fact, I'm so glad they did not translate it into English. They left here the very words of our Savior. He said, verse 41, He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talit ha kumai. She who's in the talit, arise. And that little 12-year-old child came back to life and Jesus gave her back to her father and mother. The Jewish prayer shawl. Many times it's found in the Bible. 
In fact, when, when our Savior came to die, as I told you before, in uh, John's Gospel, it says in chapter 19, verse 23, And the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garment, made four parts to every soldier apart in his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said among themselves, Let us not rend it, but rather cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. But you know, they needed this in the burial of Jesus because it is said in Jewish law that if a man is murdered, he is to be buried in his bloody clothes. So that on judgment day, when he stands before the judge of all the earth, he'll have the proof that he was murdered as a witness against his accusers. They needed this somehow, somehow, some way. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea was able to get this thing back. For the Bible tells us that on the third day, Early in the morning, the first day of the week, cometh Mary Magdalene early, and when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Then Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they both ran together, and the other did outrun Peter. John was younger than Peter. And came first to the sepulcher, and he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lie, yet went he not in. You're not supposed to touch a dead body. He was a good Jew. Then come a Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher. He had handled enough dead fish, it didn't bother him. And see it the linen clothes lie, he saw the shroud laying right there in the gravesite. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. It was the custom of the Jew to put a napkin, a talit, about the head of their dead. For on resurrection day, the Holy Spirit would come in and give life to that temple. When the Spirit enters the Holy of Holies, resurrection day. But they found that Jesus had evidently taken that holy garment and removed it from the unclean shroud and had folded it up and placed it over by itself in another place the napkin about his head. Do you remember in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul made tents for a living? In Corinth, folks, I've been to Corinth. People lived in houses, not tents. What kind of tents then did Paul make? Well, Aquila and Priscilla were also Jews. I submit to you the possibility that they made talit tents for the Jewish believers. He was a Pharisee, you know, and a rabbi. Do you remember Peter on the housetop at Joppa saw a great sheet let down from heaven by the four corners? And in it he saw all manner of unclean animals. And God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, I've never eaten pig's knuckles or anything like that. And God said, what I've cleansed, don't call unclean. Why did God say that? He meant that you and I Gentiles were going to have an opportunity to be included in his great tabernacle on high and so the Talit has an interesting story to the pages of the Old and the New Testament which brings us to the book of the Revelation John on the island of Patmos heard a voice behind him and he turned and he saw the Lord Jesus Christ himself verse 13 and in the midst of the seven candlesticks one likened to the son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot what kind of garment would that be? A priestly garment, by the way. And the seat seats going all the way down to his feet. 
So you can see that our Savior is indeed a Jew, isn't he? Revelation 19. John writes, verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. <laughs> Yud, hey, vav, hey. The ineffable name, the unutterable, unpronounceable name of God. No man could pronounce it but himself. No man knew it but himself. And he was, verse 13, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. He's wearing his own bloody talit. Remember the Jews say that a man's supposed to be buried in his bloody clothes so that on judgment day he'll have testimony against his attackers. He's wearing his bloody talit. And his name is called the Word of God. He had a name which no man knew but himself. And his name is called the Word of God. Verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. Now, as he sits in the saddle of this flying white horse, with his feet in the stirrups, the talit and tzitzit flow down over his thigh. So he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. He has a name which no man knew but himself. And his name is called the Word of God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when the sky turns black and the sun turns as black as sackcloth of ashes and the moon turns as blood, in the darkened sky over Jerusalem, a light of exquisite beauty will appear. For the Jews at Armageddon will have their backs against the proverbial wall. They will realize that the jig is up. No one stands beside them now. No one can save them from annihilation. The genocide of the Jew is the proposed purpose of Armageddon. What Hitler started, the world is going to try to finish. Get rid of the Jews. But they will cry out to the one whom their forefathers rejected. They have no one else to turn to. They will cry out for salvation. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua! Yeshua! Now Jesus up in heaven is waiting to hear. He said, I will not return until I hear you say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. He'll say to those with him, that's what I've been waiting to hear, folks. Let's go. And he'll mount up. And he'll come down through the cobblestones of glory. And a light of exquisite beauty will shine, emanate from him. The glory of God. And flanking on either side of him will be the armies of heaven. The angels and you and me. We're coming back with yes, him. And the Jews will look up and they will see him. And they will see us. And they will see the angels. And they will know. That their Messiah is a Jew because he will be wearing a Jewish prayer shawl. Wasn't that an exciting ending to this powerful teaching on the prayer shawl? We have moved from biblical history thousands of years ago all the way through to Bible prophecy of future events that are yet to happen and weaving the tapestry together with this 
Jewish prayer shawl. And we are so grateful for the ministry of the late Reverend J.R. Church and glad that we can continue to bring his voice to life and his ministry continues to speak to many hearts across America through Prophecy in the News and a partnership with SWRC. If you'd like to order the full length of this video presentation, you can do so by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit us online at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Ask for Elijah's Mantle, the DVD by J.R. Church. The complete presentation by J.R. Church is available on DVD. The Prophecy of Elijah's Mantle is a compelling message about biblical references to the Jewish prayer shawl. J.R. Church helps you learn about Elijah's mantle, John the Baptist's coat of camel's hair, and the vesture of Christ upon which Roman soldiers gambled. Follow the theme from the Old Testament book of Numbers into the book of Revelation to view the return of Christ. Order the Prophecy of Elijah's Mantle DVD today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Larry Spargimino and Marvin McIlvaney are ready with the latest news and information from around the world. Through the light of Scripture, here are the latest headlines from the end times. You know, Pastor Larry, I think most Christians, most born-again believers, know that we're just passing through this dimension. We're not going to be here very long. And I think the Bible more or less says, don't get too comfortable. You can leave here at any moment. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Now, it doesn't say you can't be comfortable while you're here. In fact, that's why most people work so hard. It's so that they can be comfortable. With that in mind, what do you think is one of the keys to success in this life? Well, Marvin, I would have to say education is definitely a major part, and it's really important that we have a good education. Now, of course, your walk with God is paramount, but your education can either encourage your walk with God or discourage your walk with God. And your education, or the lack thereof, will determine the quality of your life and whether or not your life will encourage others to walk with God. So we have to ask, will people respect someone who has no education? Will people listen to the witness of someone who can hardly read? Now, what kind of a witness would you be without an education? Not a very good one, and certainly not a credible one. So anyone who would say, we don't need an education, we don't need to learn to read and write and add and think and so forth, I think that's really dangerous. It says here, Oregon Governor Kate Brown, a Democrat, signed Senate Bill 744 last month, which drops the education requirement throughout the state. According to the Oregonian, the governor seemed to keep the bill under wraps and away from the public eye, neglecting to issue a press release or hold any kind of signing ceremony. And I can see why, Pastor Larry. She doesn't want anybody to know she's destroying the education system in Oregon. Well, that is a real disaster. I, you know, some of the things that the left comes up with are so destructive. Uh, you know, Maj Touré, the founder of Black Guns Matter, said this, and I quote him, Oregon schools are no longer requiring reading and math as standards for graduation. 
They will only feed the crisis of undereducation leading to future incarceration. This is a school-to-prison pipeline, close quotes, and that's Maj Touré. Marvin, I know the school system is corrupt, no doubt about it. Just about everything is corrupt nowadays, the woke ideology that the teachers are spouse and all of that. But now we're going to pretend like there's no standard. That's why we don't have to teach anybody and nobody has to learn. Seriously, if there's no standard, what do we need teachers for? Will they just babysit our kids every day? I mean, if the kids don't have to learn things to graduate, what's the point of going to school? Now, here's what I see this is, is leading to. This is a setup for an AI takeover of the human race. Humans will be on the fast track to extinction. Listen, do we think AI robots will want to feed a lot of dumb humans who can't even read? I doubt it. We can't even add. You know, these robots are really smart. Here we are, just lumps of flesh, lumps of blubber. <laughs> You know, a lot of Americans, I think, say, well, it'd be great. The robots will just take care of us. Guess what? The robots will want to delete us. Marvin, I am really concerned about the direction, not simply of our country, but the direction of our thinking. Kids don't need to be educated. They don't need to learn to read, to write, or anything of the sort. What kind of pilots will they be? Where will our doctors come from? What about people who need to, um, to interact, to engage with a culture, with communism, with socialism, with atheism? We wouldn't even be able to think. This is tragedy. This is awful. The Prophecy of Elijah's Mantle is a compelling message about biblical references to the Jewish prayer shawl. J.R. Church helps you learn about Elijah's mantle, John the Baptist's coat of camel's hair, and the vesture of Christ upon which Roman soldiers gambled in the DVD, The Prophecy of Elijah's Mantle. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The Prophecy of Elijah's Mantle by J.R. Church. 1-800-652-1144. Friends, if you have a prayer need, would you share that with us? We consider it an honor to pray with you. Prayer requests come in from all over the country through the mail, on the phone, and now via a special email address, prayer at swrc.com, prayer at swrc.com. Or you can always give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. Thank you for being here today. Watchman on the Wall is presented each day on almost 700 radio signals, as well as online and as a podcast. You can also access our program at the websites oneplace.com and sermonaudio.com. Expanding our reach on these brand new platforms is only possible because of you. Your prayers and financial support keep us going and allow us to introduce the truth of the gospel to brand new people every day. And I want to say a special hello to all of our new friends who are listening for the first time today. Whether you're listening on the radio or online, if you're new to Watchmen on the Wall, be sure to request your free new listener pack. The pack includes a welcome letter, history of the ministry, the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter, and a free gift. Get your free new listener pack by calling 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, George Barna will share the tools that will help us nurture your child's heart, mind, and soul. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station at oneplace.com or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.